have a tough race to come. Now let's go get it done. Get her done. That's one reason. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Never is. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle From Pacifica with you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on the great KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., up in Oregon on KYAQ on the Central Coast and on Queso in Cottage Grove, on Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe. Every day on the internets for your listening convenience on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk. Of course, we're also available via podcast from Bradblog.com or your favorite excellent podcast site, wherever that may be. Welcome to the show. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Well, it was primary day for the 2018 crucial midterm elections in four states on Tuesday in Arkansas, Kentucky, Georgia. Uh, They all held primaries, and in Texas, where the uh, first round of primaries was held in early March, voters went to the polls to settle runoff elections in about 30 different contests in the great Lone Star State. Your home state, Desi Doyen, (laughs) did you vote? I did not, because I don't live there anymore. Oh, okay. And I vote legally in California. Yes, how non-voter fraudulent of you. Yes. Well done. Uh, of course, you heard that uh, clip at the opening there. That was uh, Stacey Abrams, the former Georgia House minority leader, uh, Democratic minority leader, Stacey Abrams. She won her state's Democratic gubernatorial primary, making her the first woman to win a major party nomination in Georgia as she seeks to uh, become the first African-American female governor in U.S. history. We will be talking about uh, that race and many more, no doubt, uh, with our friend progressive champion Howie Klein of Down With Tyranny shortly. But as always, uh, my usual caveat when we cover elections on, uh, on the day after, all of the results that we will cover today are still unofficial. They are completely unverified by actual human beings. They're all counted by computers, either correctly or incorrectly. In some states, we'll never know for sure if they were actually tabulated correctly. Most states we won't, but uh, certainly in the state of Georgia. Uh, Now, I'm happy to say, by the way, that so far uh, I've seen very few reports of problems for voters at the polls on, on Tuesday in those four states. 
Uh, but it's worth remembering that all of them use those error-prone, easily manipulated computers to tally votes. And some of them, like Texas and especially Georgia, uh, use 100% unverifiable touchscreen-style voting systems to cast votes still, shamefully. So if there are challenges to the results, um, certainly in Georgia and in a lot of locations in Texas, well, there's nothing anyone can do about it. Sorry about that. Uh, and, of course, the other usual caveat, uh, many of the problems with uh, voting, re with election results, tabulation systems and so forth, don't reveal themselves until days and weeks after elections uh, or even longer. But for Tuesday, uh, so far, the problem re reports, I'm happy to say, were few, even if uh, even if one of them kind of bothered me. Uh, Des, and it's worth noting as we barrel towards November. Okay. This comes from uh, Catoosa County, Georgia, uh, where they, of course, use those terrible uh, Diebold touchscreen voting systems from 2004. Those are 15-year-old systems now. They were not good when they were new, much less now. In any event, uh, the uh, Times Free Press in, uh, in Georgia reported that some Catoosa County voters are having a little hiccup with the machines at the polls today. Oh, a hiccup. Is that what it's That's called? It's always, it's, as you know, we look for hiccups, glitches, snags, and snafus. That's always the way these things are. Are never, reported. Never failures, because these are failures. You know, the, the systems have to work really, you know, one day a year, essentially, and, well, anyway, Tanya Moore, director of the Catoosa County Elections and Registration Department, said that uh, while it wasn't a huge problem on Tuesday, some machines were timing out after voters selected the large text option on them. She said the issue is the ballot in Georgia, in Catoosa County, was so long that if you press large text... It takes it from an 11-page ballot to an 18-page ballot. Well, that's just too much. And the machine then times out. Now, when she says pages, of course, she's, she means screens. Because right. if it was all on a paper ballot, you know, it could be one page. But uh, because it's screens, because it's touchscreens, that means everything takes longer. People have to wait in lines. And a long ballot that is 11 screens long... Uh, when you switch it to a large text, it becomes 18 screens long and the machines time out before they finished voting. By the time voters got to the end of the ballot, a pop-up box would appear asking them to return to the instruction page. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, but uh, happily, the issue, she says, was not causing too much backup in lines. Uh, thankfully, it was, uh, in this case, a primary election, so the turnout was uh, not enormous. But this November, if they also have a large ballot in um, Catoosa County or anywhere else in Georgia, well, that's going to cause problems. In any event, uh, Moore said that uh, voting was taking a bit more time because the ballot was longer than usual. That's not a hiccup. That was programmed in there. Yep. Uh, she said that uh, people, uh, the number of people that were voting was around average for primary elections. Uh, as of 2.30 in the afternoon on Tuesday, she said about 1,800 of 38,600 registered voters had cast their ballots. That's a very small percentage 
1,800 of, you know, almost 37,000. So that's a very small percentage of those likely to turn out this November when hopefully there won't be a long ballot there, which will drive people nuts as they go through all the whole page after page after page, and then it pops up and it says, you need to go back to the instructions now. But it waits until you get to the end to tell you, hey, that's wrong. This would drive me absolutely crazy, but it's not a long drive. All right. At the same time, uh, Democrats continue to be very confident that they will enjoy a so-called blue wave this November all across the country. Then again, they were also pretty confident around this time back in May of 2016 that Hillary Clinton was absolutely going to become the next president of the United States even as the more progressive wing of the Democratic Party was having it out with the more establishment wing amidst the Bernie versus Hillary primaries at the time. Still, Democrats have seemed pretty confident of late, citing, among other things, those generic ballot polling numbers showing that Americans prefer Democratic control of Congress over Republican control. But if that's what they were counting on, uh, they may be counting their chickens yet again far too early. According to Newsweek today, Democrats hyping a sweeping blue wave on Capitol Hill come November may have to temper expectations after new polling showed the party beginning to lose its midterm advantage. For the first time in this election cycle, a Reuters poll this week gave the GOP a one and a half percentage point lead over Democrats on a generic ballot. When asked if the midterm elections were to be held today, Reuters conducted this uh, poll, by the way, this was May 17, so last week. Uh, When asked if the midterms were held uh, that day, 38 percent of respondents said they would vote for the Republican candidate in their district as opposed to 36.5% who said they'd cast their ballot for the Democrats. So that's a one-and-a-half-point advantage at this point for Republicans. Just over 15% of respondents said they didn't know which party they would favor or they refused to answer the question. Democrats had held a more than 10-point edge in that very same poll as of late April. The Reuters poll reflects a larger trend of Republicans appearing to close the gap in the generic ballot. A CNN poll released earlier this month showed the Democrats with just a three-point lead over the GOP. That was within the poll's margin of error. And there have been other recent troubling signs for Democrats. Last month, a Reuters-Ipsos poll found support for the party among millennial voters had decreased by nine percentage points since 2016. Just 46 percent of voters ages uh, 18 to 34 supported Democrats. Just 46 percent of young voters. Slipping millennial numbers could spell disaster to Democrats' 2018 hopes, Newsweek warns, especially in the tight races they need to flip the House. But they also cite... Experts who caution against reading too much into those findings regarding younger voters. Still, if it's anti-Trump enthusiasm that Democrats are counting on to turn folks out this year, we had at least one counterintuitive sign in Texas on Tuesday in that regard. Emily Ramshaw, the editor of the Texas Tribune, noted on, um, on Twitter 
On Tuesday night, that Texas's Democratic voters made some history, but it wasn't something to be proud of. Democrats had their worst runoff turnout in almost a century on Tuesday. She added in a second tweet, What's wrong with voter turnout in Texas in one anecdote? Pizza delivery guy to Texas Tribune staff. What's going on? You all just working late tonight? Pizza delivery guy appears to have had no idea there was an election at all in Texas on Tuesday. With all of those caveats and worry warting, uh, there were a number of good news results for both Democrats and progressives alike in yesterday's primaries and runoff elections, not to mention for female candidates. We will have some of that good and bad news for progressives from Tuesday's primary elections. Coming up next with Down With Tyranny's Howie Klein. That's next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. She wore blue Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. All right, uh, good news and bad for progressives in Tuesday's 2018 primary elections in Arkansas, Kansas, Georgia, and those very low turnout primary runoff elections in Texas. Joining us now to try and make sense of it all is our old friend Howie Klein. He is, uh, of course, the uh, founder of DownWithTyranny.com, co-founder of the Blue America Pack, dedicated to raising small-dollar donations to help elect progressives, not Democrats, but progressives to office. He covers U.S. congressional races just about as close as anybody in the nation at Down With Tyranny, and I suspect he may have a thought or two on Tuesday's primaries in four different states. Howie Klein, welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. Thanks, Brad. Nice to be back. All right, uh, let's just a big picture first here. I think it was a mix of good and bad news on Tuesday for progressives as I read it. Uh, how do you see it overall? Was it, a, was it a good night for progressives, for women, for the establishment in uh, actually both the GOP and the Democratic parties? Uh, what's, what's the big takeaway from these primaries on Tuesday in these four states? Well, the very first announcement of Tuesday night was that the Democratic establishment mm-hmm lost their first big race, and that was in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, the um, 6th District of, of, uh, of Kentucky. So that's, of all of, of Kentucky, that's the only red seat that the Democrats are actually being serious about trying to take back. And that's because there are a lot of Democrats there, there are a lot of progressives there, and even though Trump won the district, that had more to do with Hillary being the wrong candidate for that district. 
So it's definitely a district that could be won. The the DCCC went out of its way to uh, recruit a a, a very, very conservative Democrat, a guy named Jim Gray. So Jim Gray is very well known. He's the mayor of Lexington, which is the only big city in that district. Mm -hmm. And and he's generally liked. He he actually uh, he ran against Mitch McConnell for the U.S. Senate, and he beat him in that district. So so he's well known and well liked. The, the problem with him there were, there were two problems with. Him. He lost, by the way, to a to a woman candidate who I wouldn't describe as a progressive, but sort of way more progressive than him. That would <laughs> that would be Marine Vet Amy Gra- uh, Amy McGrath in the uh, sixth uh, district in Kentucky. Which brings us right to the problem, uh, Marine. She is a Marine. She's not just a, a Marine who's a lawyer. Most of the Congress people who say they're in the military were, are lawyers. I don't, I don't want to put that down, but it's different from being a fighting uh, person in the front lines. She was a fighting person on the front lines. She was a, um, a, uh, a jet fighter pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so she's the real thing, not just some lawyer sitting there in the Jags. So she, um, you say that's a problem. Why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem for Jim Gray because ah, okay. advertising his last big ad was to uh, say that she's not really from this district. She's been living outside of the district for years and years. Mm-hmm. Whoa, is that the wrong thing to say? Because she was she wasn't living outside of the district in terms of anything except her service to the country. So yes, yeah, she was fighting in Afghanistan and Iraq. So yes, yeah, she wasn't living in the district. She was teaching at uh, uh, I think uh, at, in a, at Annapolis. Uh, so she, so, so that's an unfair thing for him to say, and it got out there in a big way. And I, I suspect that that was part of the reason why he lost. I, I can't say he would have mm-hmm. won otherwise, because remember, she's you know kind of a progressive leaning moderate. Mm-hmm. He is a blue dog. He was he applied for a blue dog uh, endorsement, and he got it. Uh, so the DCCC, you know, got, had their way. They didn't officially endorse him, but they had had recruited him. So, so it was, it was. Although there were, I think, six candidates, there were really, it was really between three. And she never lost the lead. Or as the votes were coming in, she she was winning and winning and winning. And that and that's a that's a pretty good thing. We, Blue America didn't endorse her. She's not quite progressive enough for us. But she, now she has. He is, uh, of course, the, uh, the founder of DownWithTyranny.com, co-founder of the Blue America Pack, dedicated to raising small-dollar donations to help elect progressives, not Democrats, but progressives to office. He covers U.S. congressional races just about as close as anybody in the nation at Down With Tyranny, and I suspect he may have a thought or two on Tuesday's primaries in four different states. Howie Klein, welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. Thanks, Brad. Nice to be back. All right, uh, let's just a uh, big pitchman, Andy Barr, in that 6th district. So there's some good news there. Uh, and I know there was some good news in Georgia I want to ask you about. But as long as you mention Blue Dogs, very quickly, you refer often. I saw you explain this to someone on Twitter last night. You refer to, to uh, Blue Dog Dems. Uh, and to uh, so-called new Dems. For those who don't follow the the weeds of intra-party democratic politics here, can you very quickly explain those those terms? They're not you don't use them as insults, as, as some seem to be suggesting last night on Twitter. No, uh, so they're not sort of an adjective. When you say uh, blue dogs, a lot of people think, and that person on Twitter who you're referring to mm-hmm. thought that I just mean it to uh, be disparaging of a certain type of demo. No, no, no. That's an, it's an actual uh, caucus 
where they have uh, dues, where they elect their own officers, where they have policy papers. So it's an actual, you know, they have a, I don't know if they have a, really have a handshake, but they may have a handshake, <laughs> but they definitely have to pay dues. So how do I know that Jim Gray, since he's not in Congress, how do I know he's a blue dog? Easy. He, they don't give somebody uh, an endorsement unless that person applies for it and fills out a very, very stringent um, mm-hmm. application form. So you have to agree to, to very, very conservative policies before they'll give you an endorsement. So he, he uh, won their endorsement. That means, in my book, he's a blue dog. And with the New Dems, it's the same thing. So, uh, you know, I, I do posts about this very, very frequently. For example, um, I believe it was yesterday, there was a vote in, uh, in the House mm-hmm. on a, a piece of Dodd-Frank. So it, 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 it was, you know, the Republicans' idea to, um, to tear down Dodd-Frank. They're very excited about this. I don't want to get into the weeds on this, but I'll just say one thing. Mm-hmm. So Dodd-Frank would kick in at, uh, when a bank had assets of $50 billion dollars. They would, you know, they would start watching them much more closely, and they had to, you know, kind of, kind of not uh, use de- depositors' money for a risky gambling. And the Republicans wanted to get rid of that completely, but they decided that they would just raise the amount from 50 billion to 250 billion. And 33 Democrats went along with that. Yep. Who were those Democrats? Guess what? The Blue Dogs and the New Dems. That's, so if you want Republican policies, you vote for a blue dog or a new dem, or you vote for a Republican. So, so that's the kind of, that's the, the warning that I give to my readers is for, to let them know who is going to vote with the Republicans, and it is the new dems, and it is the blue dogs. I believe every, almost every single blue dog and almost every single new dem went along with this, uh, not every single one, but almost every single one, went along with the Republican policies. So, you know, they don't vote on, uh, you know, they're not necessarily going to vote on anti-choice and anti-gay bills. Mm -hmm. That's not where they're at. But when it comes to financial bills, that's where you, or economic bills, that's where you find the New Dems and the Blue Dogs going along with the GOP. And I just, you know, they don't advertise that. They, 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 you know, the, the media ignores it. So I, I feel it's like my duty to explain that to people. I think it's very, very important that vote, Democratic voters and progressive voters understand that. Uh, and and they, have, they can make an informed choice. Afterwards, they can say, well, it's still better than a Republican. Mm-hmm. Okay, go for it if you want to. You know, they, the, the DCCC recruited not just Jim Gray. They, re- they recruit people who are A-plus um, rated by the NRA. They, no one knows that. I mean, they should know that, mm-hmm. but the DCCC will go out of its way to castigate Republicans, and they'll, they'll even go to, and say they, their hands are dripped in children's blood. Okay, I agree with that, but what, what does that say about uh, Jeff Van Drew? He's got an A-plus from the, DPL, uh, from the uh, NRA. He gets money from the NRA. He supports everything they want and does everything he can in the New Jersey. He's, he's a state senator in mm-hmm. New Jersey. He does everything he can in the, in the uh, state senate. 
to back the NRA's policies. And I don't, uh, well, let me, because uh, we are getting far, uh, somewhat far afield from the election results that I want to hit with you here. I don't necessarily uh, disagree with you at all, and that's why I'm happy to see all of these uh, challenges across the country in the primaries. I don't know if uh, you agree with me or not that I think ultimately if the uh, more progressive candidates go down to one of these blue dogs, that even though the blue dogs are going to, in many cases, vote with the Republicans, uh, I still think it's important for Democrats to get back the majority in the House or the Senate because whoever owns the majority decides what comes up for uh, generally decides what comes up for a vote or does not uh, leads the committees and so forth. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think even though we've got these uh, blue dogs who win in some cases, I still think. Getting back a Democratic majority is uh, very important to stopping this national emergency that I think this country is in. But right now we're in primary season. Yep. Uh, the, the general election is until November, so it's really important to vote for progressives now. And then you can make your own decision up in November if you want to vote for the lesser of two evils. And, and you know, I mean, I'd like to see, you know, Nancy Pelosi and, and her leadership team are always saying, uh, similar to what you said, is that we've got to support um, whoever wins. You know, we're all Democrats. Let's support whoever wins. But I noticed last Tuesday when uh, Kara uh, Eastman, a progressive, beat the DCCC candidate, a blue dog in Omaha named Brad Ashford. Sorry about his first name, yes, but he lost. And they supported him. They, they financed him. They did everything they could to help him. And then she beat him. The DCCC, you know, took his name off their list of endorsed candidates, and they didn't put her name on. So they want to see unity, but to them, unity means get behind their lousy, blue dog, conservative, corrupt candidates but it doesn't mean when, when a progressive wins, get behind a progressive. Maybe, maybe eventually they'll do that, but they haven't so far. I just checked before we went on the air. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. All right, let's go to uh, Georgia now, uh, because I think this is one place where both progressives uh, and uh, the national, the DCCC and the National Democrats, I think we're pretty happy about this result in this gubernatorial primary where Stacey Abrams uh, won the primary. She would be the first, the nation's first female African-American governor in the state of Georgia, in any state, actually. Uh, both progressives and uh, establishment Democrats seem to be pretty happy about that. Are you? Yeah, I'm happy about it. But I, where do you get the idea that uh, establishment Democrats were happy about it? Uh, they seem to be crowing about it last night. They seem to. Am I wrong? Did uh, I know they had supported? I think Stacey Evans, who ran against Stacey Abrams, and Abrams just destroyed her. Um, but it seemed like they were uh, pretty happy about Stacey yeah. Abrams winning in Georgia. No. Okay, but but you mentioned the DCCC. They have nothing to do uh, with uh, with those races. You're right. And so it was really the, uh, the, the crowing was from the, um, the Democratic Gubernatorial Association. Okay. They, they're the ones that was, were happy. They might have been more happy if Stacey Evans won the more conservative candidate, mm -hmm. uh, but they, they were happy enough. But I think the reason that they were so happy was because Stacey Abrams drew more votes than the Republican frontrunner did. Yeah. So in other words, even though they weren't running each other, running against each other, um, uh, Stacey 
had the Stacey Abrams. They're both they're both Democrats. Their names Stacey. Mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams got the most votes of the night, including against uh, Republicans. Yeah, she did. So that's why they were so excited. She defeated uh, Lieutenant Governor. I'm sorry. Uh, she had more votes, I should say, in the primary than the Republican uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle, yeah. who uh, led on the uh, in the Republican primary, but. He was also up against the field of, I think, four or five different uh, crazier, really crazy Republicans. And so that will go to a runoff in July, I think, for the Republican nominee for governor. So is that is that our does does that end our uh, good news portion of this uh, uh, interview, Howie, (laughs) as far as what happened on Tuesday? Um, well, as far as I know, there, there were other races as well that were, you know, smaller races. I, I haven't gotten into them yet. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the federal races, yes, that that ends it. All right, let's and go to do... in Texas. Yeah, we uh, had... where uh, there were um, there were no blue dogs uh, that I can think of who were running, mm-hmm. and but there were some very very good progressives. One of them uh, in in the Houston uh, district, uh, Texas Seven, mm-hmm. was. Uh, uh, Laura Mosier mm-hmm. was purposely destroyed by the DCCC. They they said if she's the candidate, uh, we're going to lose this seat, and they uh, you know they they got it, they went insane over it. They released all this information and some of it false, some of it true that they said would would make would guarantee that she would lose the seat. I didn't agree with them. A lot of progressives didn't agree with them, but they they said she cannot win, and they got their point across, and she lost, and she lost badly. Now they're stuck with a, an anti-union candidate. Uh, so let's see what happens. My prediction is the Republican will win that one in a walk. That would be uh, Lizzie Fletcher, who ended up winning that race in uh, Texas 7 by like 30 points. Uh, for uh, for what it's worth, uh, Moser, at her uh, concession speech, uh, said the, uh, the key here is to beat Congressman John Culberson. If this night turns out like it's going, uh, she said this was just before the the numbers were official. She said if this night turns out like it looks like it's going to turn out, I encourage everyone to support Lizzie Fletcher. So Laura Moser did call on uh, everyone, her supporters, to uh, support now that the primary is done uh, to support the DCCC choice. Uh, there were other two other uh, insurgent progressive congressional candidates uh, in those runoffs in Texas on Tuesday. Rick Trevino and Mary Wilson, both of them uh, came up short. Any thoughts on those two races? Yeah, the, the, they were, I mean, Trevino and Mary Wilson were both classic grassroots candidates who were uh, so not just progressive, but very, very grassroots. Neither one of them had much money. They were both running against way more conservative races, uh, con- uh, conservative candidates. In the case of Mary Wilson, who, d- who did pretty well, con- considering she had no money to spend, mm-hmm. she was running against a very, very conservative ex-Republican who just spent the whole time uh, talking about how he could reach over to Republicans. So good luck with that. The Republicans have their own candidates. They're not going to turn around and vote for him. And, you know, I don't know if he... I, I would predict he's not going to win that seat. The, the, the size of the... Um, of the tsunami, of the wave would have to be the size of a tsunami for him to win it. So that that's a waste, and he had tons and tons of money to spend. Uh, but, you know, he's a terrible candidate. I want to get uh, two quick thoughts from you here before I let you go, Howie. Um, over at The Nation, D.D. Gutenplan, I don't know if you saw his uh, take on this, but uh, he writes that Jim Hightower, the father figure of Texas populism, 
uh, and the state chair of Our Revolution. That's the uh, group that was spawned by uh, Bernie Sanders' 2016 campaign. Uh, Hightower said he was worried that despite their success in getting past well-funded opponents to make the runoff in these races we've been talking about in Texas, these U.S. House uh, runoffs on the Democratic side, uh, despite their talent and uh, in enthusiasm, these progressive U.S. House candidates in the state may have been, quote, running for the wrong races, running too high on the ballot. Uh, Jim Hightower uh, says that's why, although the, uh, his group, Our Revolution, endorsed in those races, endorsed those candidates, um, they kept their financial and organizational focus on the state legislature and the county commissioner and so forth in Texas uh, and other contests further down the ballot. Uh, and then uh, he goes on to argue that now we know Hightower was right. And so while I join you, Howie, in rooting for and, and, and pushing for progressives, are some of these efforts better spent on local and state races for a start? I mean, it took the the far-right Tea Party about 10 years before they completely took over the GOP. Does it make more sense to put resources into the down-ticket races for very progressive uh, new candidates? Well, there's a couple of questions that you asked. The last one that you asked, you sort of slipped in, and, you know, that that's a, that's a good idea for our revolution and other groups to put more resources in. And they certainly didn't put any resources, for example, behind Trevino. Uh, Rick Trevino, but, you know, this is a, this was, last night was a, uh, a runoff, a primary runoff. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple, a month or so, a couple of months ago, there was a, um, in that race, in the 23rd district, which is as big as the entire state of New York. It goes from the suburbs of San Antonio yep. into the suburbs of, um, of El Paso. Mm-hmm. You can imagine how gigantic that is. Yep. Um, so Trevino had no money. I mean, he spent something like $25,000 against a Democrat, a DCCC Democrat, who was also endorsed by the Blue Dogs, named Jay Hoolings. And Jay Hoolings was endorsed by everybody. I mean, the DCCC got everybody to endorse him, the, the Castro uh, machine in, in San Antonio, the New Dems, the Blue Dogs, everybody they could get. And he spent something like $600, I'm sorry, $600,000 to Trevenio's 20000 and he came in fourth, and Trevenio came in second. Mm. So, you know, maybe, you know, I don't hear anybody saying that maybe Hooling should have, you know, run for dog catcher instead. <laughs> right. Although maybe he should have, although I think he'd be a bad dog catcher. <laughs> you know, you got to look at, at the fact that these corporate lawyers like, like Hoolings mm-hmm. uh, and so many of these DCCC people, that's what they are. They're corporate lawyers. And, and why are they running? Why, you know, what do they have to offer people? You know, people who, like Trevenio is a school teacher. You know, who are you going to relate to more? You know, a union school teacher, uh, an iron worker in Wisconsin, just people like the rest of us. I mean, and the, instead, the Democrats and the Republicans recruit all these corporate lawyers. Like, you know, okay, they're recruiting people just like themselves. But, you know, who wants that? Yep. How about people that have something to offer? To, to normal people. I guess we'll... we'll That's s- need to learn that. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and I, I think you're right. Uh, good point. Uh, let me... Uh, I've got just a second here, Howie, and, and I don't know how you're going to do this in just a second, but California primaries, uh, our elections here are coming up. You're in California. I'm in California. They're coming up in less than two weeks. June 5, early voting is already underway across the state. I know you've been following a bunch of the races out here very closely. Uh, which races are you and Blue America Pack looking at 
most closely and what should uh, California voters, progressive voters know at this point? Well, the, we're looking at um, the Orange County seats very, very, very closely, and those are the ones that we feel the strongest about. There is, uh, for example, in northeastern Orange County, the 39th district, it's an open seat. Mm-hmm. So there's no Republican incumbent. There is one guy who is, you know, again, a working class guy from the district, uh, not heavily financed, but he's doing pretty good. Uh, his name is Sam Jamal. And the other Democrats who are running in that district are a bunch of multimillionaire carpetbaggers. They don't live in the district, and they're spending, literally spending over a million dollars of their own money to try to buy that seat. I mean, what does that tell you? What, is that, what can that possibly tell anybody? How about, like, vote for the working class guy from the district? That sounds like a good idea to me. So that's Sam Jamal in Orange County. Any other Blue America PAC uh, endorses? Oh, yeah, in every district uh, we have, we have. well, not every district, but in, certainly mm-hmm. in the district that goes from or, the southern part of Orange County into the northern part of San Diego, there's a, a wonderful candidate, a, a Marine colonel, and again, not a JAG officer, but someone who was on the front lines, uh, Doug Applegate, excellent candidate, running against a bunch of multimillionaires. This woman who... Uh, uh, inherited, uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars from her father, who is, uh, you know, a, a, a chief, uh, one of the chieftains at um, Qualcomm, and she's spending that money like it's like water, because to her it is. She can spend millions of dollars uh, trying to make out that she's something when she's nothing. Uh, and there's a couple of other multimillionaires. We don't have to go into every multimillionaire who's spending all their own bank accounts to try to beat uh, Doug Applegate, who nearly beat Daryl Issa last time. And Issa was so scared of facing Doug again that he, he dropped out. So it's an open race, an open seat. Uh, and then there's another race in the 45th, which is, again, the southern but inland part of Orange County, where a woman who was a law student of uh, Elizabeth Warren's, her, her name is Katie Porter, uh, you know, she's, again, just a middle-class woman uh, with raising three kids, and she, she's up against, you know, some new dem mm-hmm. uh, named Dave Min. But Katie is wonderful. When uh, Elizabeth Warren looked at her students to see who, would, who should co-author a book with her about the economy, she picked Katie. Uh, Katie's an amazingly accomplished uh, economic professor she wor- uh, and law professor both. She works at uh, UC Irvine. You know, what a great candidate. And, you know, you've got this new dem running, again, looking for a career for himself. I've got to get out here, Howie. Is there a place that uh, folks can go to uh, get all of the uh, Blue America Pack endorsees on the webs, on the internet? They go to my, uh, my blog, downwithtyranny.com. There's a little bar at the top right that says Blue America, and they go, if they just click it, they'll get all of our endorsements. Thank you, brother. Howie Klein of downwithtyranny.com. You can and should also follow him on the Twitters at downwithtyranny. We will continue to check in, no doubt, with Howie as this uh, primary season uh, continues and maybe even after the California primaries in two weeks. Hey, thank you, brother. Always great talking with you, my friend. Same for me. You Talk bet. to you soon, Brad. Okay, quick break, and we'll uh, come back with uh, some more interesting results from Tuesday uh, in a number of states, uh, including some interesting results on the Republican side. We'll have that and more right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. (laughs) 
The Bratcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Blue wave, red rain, who knows? We'll find out in, oh, just less than six months. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Okay, we had mentioned uh, with Howie Klein there that uh, Stacey Abrams uh, easily won her uh, primary in Georgia on the Democratic side to become the first woman to win a major party nomination for governor in Georgia. And if she wins this November, she'd be the first African-American female governor in U.S. history, not just Georgia history, but U.S. history. That's pretty awesome. I uh, mean, it's terrible it took this long, but I'm glad we're sort of getting there. Maybe. Possibly. I was going to say, maybe, yeah, <laughs> it's it taken this long. We'll see how long it takes. But you uh, have to get to this part before you can get to the next part. True. Uh, as Howie noted, uh, Abrams actually won more votes uh, herself than the GOP's leading candidate uh, to win the gubernatorial nomination. That would be Republican Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle. But Cagle was running against a, a larger field of contenders, as I mentioned, uh, and will will have to compete in a runoff for the nomination this July in Georgia. So we'll be back to Georgia in July. So who will Cagle be running against? Well, as TPM describes him, a Georgia Republican who pointed his gun at a teenager in a campaign ad and joked about personally rounding up undocumented immigrants will advance to the runoff in the state's gubernatorial primary in Georgia. Longtime broadcast listeners will recognize his name. Secretary of State Brian Kemp earned 25.5% of the vote in Tuesday's election, placing second behind Cagle, who earned 39%. Did I hear you say oi? Yes, you heard yes. me say oi. Uh, he is, Kemp is vying for the uh, Trump base of rural, deeply right-wing voters and uh, plans to paint, continue painting Cagle as a moderate. Kemp honed this message in recent controversial ads, including one where he pointed a gun at a teenager who was asking permission to date his daughter and another. And so that's a that's a plus, I guess, on the Republican side when you. Yeah, that's supposed to be a selling point to threaten to shoot people. It's so funny, don't it, you think? It's hilarious. Uh, almost as funny as the one in which he pledged to hunt down, quote, criminal illegals in his, quote, big truck and personally remove them from the country. That's how Republicans now run in 2018. Uh, left behind on Tuesday were even more extreme candidates like uh, State Senator Michael Williams. He received... Uh, lots of earned media in the last weeks of the election by touring the state in a, quote, deportation bus. Uh, and that's what it was, it was a school bus painted uh, deportation bus. Nonetheless, some some good news here. Uh, he's got barely five percent, not even five percent of the vote, despite his great, big, impressive deportation bus. Uh, Kemp's. 
new anti-politically correct tagline seems to be, yep, I just said that. He uh, he used it in his, one of his ads called uh, So Conservative on immigration and repeated it at uh, Tuesday night election party, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Kemp said of Cagle, his opponent in the upcoming runoff, quote, he's not a leader, he's a puppet. Yeah, I just said that. He's so brave, isn't he? He's so manly. Uh, well, you know, in his his tagline is kind of lame, but I guess that's what passes he for just good. Said, he's in got the courage to say it. He's got the courage to say it out loud. Uh, listeners will recall Brian Kemp, uh, Secretary of State of Georgia, over the past many years, uh, as he has restricted voting and voter registration in the state. He has long supported the use of the state's 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems that will once again be used both in July for the GOP runoff uh, and then in uh, in November since Kemp refuses to allow voters to move to hand-marked paper ballots in Georgia even though every county in the state already has the equipment uh, to use them. They already have the equipment. They don't even need to buy it. They already use it for absentee ballots. They could use it uh, to allow every voter in the state to use a hand-marked paper ballot, but Kemp doesn't want to. Instead, he's been pushing along with both Republicans and Democrats, by the way, in the state statehouse. Um, to, uh, to, he, he wants to move to a new, un, new system that is similarly unverifiable, another unverifiable touchscreen System, a ballot marking device where the computer marks the paper ballot. Uh, that's what they want to use in um, Georgia to replace those 15-year-old Diebold touchscreens. And uh, sadly, by the way, last I checked, the candidates to take Kemp's place as Secretary of State this November on both the Republican and the Democratic side, uh, they also support unverifiable computer-marked paper ballots, which use human unreadable barcodes to count votes rather than, you know, hand-marked paper. Okay, uh, some more news on the GOP side on Tuesday. In Kentucky, a high school math teacher has defeated the Kentucky State House majority leader in the GOP primary for his seat. This comes months after educators uh, in the state protested against state lawmakers for passing a controversial pension bill. Teacher Travis Brenda narrowly beat out House Majority Leader Jonathan Schell on Tuesday in the Republican primary for the 71st House District seat, according to AP. Brenda credited the backing of teachers for his win, adding that it sends a message to lawmakers and the, that uh, public employees will not stay quiet, according to the AP. Kentucky was just one of, what are we up to now, Des? About five or six states, yeah. all Republican states. All Republican states with teachers, unions, teachers getting out there in the streets and taking action. Because they ain't happy. They ain't happy with the Republicans who have been, you know, cutting taxes in in order to give, you know, a whole bunch of money to corporations and rich people, but taking it away from schools and teachers, so-called family values. Um. Shell himself, who was defeated, had played a prominent role in that controversial pension bill that sparked the protest at the state capitol earlier in the year. Schools across the country, I'm sorry, across that state were uh, shut down as uh, educators spoke out against the measure. 
think they were shut down for about six or seven days out there, if I recall correctly. Uh, Shell was also, now that he's been defeated, again, they defeated in the Republican primary, they defeated the House Majority Leader in the Kentucky State House. Shell was uh, thought to be a rising star within the GOP. He had the backing of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, according to the Lexington Herald Leader. Um, but he's out. So now Travis Brenda in uh, Kentucky will face the Democratic candidate Mary Renfro. She ran uh, unopposed. She'll uh, face off with Brenda in the uh, in the general election in November. Cool. Uh, and in Texas, where uh, Howie, I know, was very upset because uh, there was not a lot of good news for progressives in the state. Uh, but not all the news was bad there. Um at least for women and for LGBTQ candidates. Gina Ortiz-Jones won the Democratic primary for the uh, for the U.S. House in Texas's 23rd congressional district, bringing her closer to becoming the first ever lesbian and Iraq war veteran to represent the state in Congress. Ortiz-Jones defeated the more progressive Democrat Rick Trevino, as Howie was explaining in uh, in that runoff on Tuesday, Ortiz Jones would be the also the first ever Filipina American to represent Texas. She will take on incumbent Congressman Will Hurd of Texas in November, which uh, Democrats think is a winnable district. We'll see if they're right. We'll see if the Democrats actually show up to vote this November. And that is a big problem in Texas. You think? Yeah. Uh, make sure they know about it. Unlike that pizza delivery guy we mentioned earlier in the show who had no idea there were elections going on in Texas on Tuesday. Uh, the, the district currently leans Republican. Control of the seat, however, has flipped back and forth between the parties over the past two decades. Congressman Hurd held on to the seat uh, since defeating uh, uh, Pete, uh, Re- Congressman Pete Gallego. Democrat back in 2014. So uh, it had been Democrat up until 2014. So, you know, they got a chance. Ortiz Jones told HuffPost earlier this year that she decided to run for the seat to oppose Donald Trump and his policies. She said the type of people that were brought in to be public servants were interested in neither the public nor the service. That, to me, was a sign that I'm going to have to serve in a different way. So good for her. Uh, the first openly gay, lesbian, Iraq war vet. Uh, also, a Hispanic former sheriff from Dallas won the Democratic primary runoff for governor on Tuesday night. She, if she wins, would become the first openly gay and Latina gubernatorial nominee in Texas history. Well, she's already the first openly gay and Latina gubernatorial nominee in Texas history. I guess she'd be the first (laughs) openly gay and uh, Latino governor in Texas history. Uh, Lupe Valdez advanced despite losing the support of some Hispanic activists due to her record on immigration as uh, sheriff in Dallas. She'll be a huge underdog says AP against Republican Governor Greg Abbott in a state that has not elected a Democrat for governor in nearly 30 years. Has it been that long? Oh, yeah. Since Ann Richards. Oh, yeah. Uh, Valdez's uh, victory over Andrew White, 
Uh, he's the son of former Texas governor, was Michael White? Who's the, uh, do you remember? Oh, I, I don't remember. Yeah, some Texan you are. <laughs> uh, Mark and, White. And Mark, Mark White. White. All right. In any event, uh, her victory was among a, a small slate of primary runoffs that unfolded, as AP describes, with little fanfare in Texas. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here on the uh, oh uh, on the Republican side in Texas? Hardline Republicans actually lost big in the primary runoffs. Uh, depending on how you look at that, that's either good or bad news for the GOP establishment. I suspect the establishment themselves thinks it's very good news. Uh, as the Texas Tribune reports, if most Tex Texas House Republican primary runoffs split the party into two warring factions, voters on Tuesday clearly chose a side. Establishment Republicans, backed by the uh, groups like the Associated Republicans of Texas, fell on one side, and on the other side were the Tea Party-aligned candidates funded by the even harder-right conservative groups like Empower Texans, and the anti-abortion group Texas Right to Life. But the voters on Tuesday firmly backed what the Texas Tribune calls the center-right candidates. Hmm. These are the so-called, well, the moderate, I guess, establishment. It's hard to even figure out what to describe these well, guys Well, they've as. moved so far yeah. right that it's you could call them, you know, medium, dark, red or something <laughs> yes, rather I than, like, insanely red-red. Uh, I don't know. The, uh, in most cases, they note that uh, the establishment candidates uh, did better to the tune of well over 10 percent in most of these races. In one of the state's most closely watched Republicans, Races, the campaign to replace retiring Texas House Speaker Joe Strauss. Um, in, in that race, conservative Matt Beebe fell to the more moderate Steve Allison by about 14 points. In a similarly bitter and even more expensive race, a couple hundred miles to the northeast, further right candidate Thomas McNutt. No comment. McNutt lost uh, to the more moderate Cody Harris by a wide margin. Retiring House Speaker Strauss uh, contributed to many of the winning candidates. Uh, he's described as the poster child for what now uh, is a dying breed of moderate Texas Republicans, according to the paper. He said the results in these runoffs and in the March primaries clearly demonstrate that Republican voters want constructive and pragmatic leadership for our fast-growing state. This week's runoff elections uh, recall similar results from the March 6 Republican primaries when nearly all of the more moderate Empower Texans-backed... Uh, I'm sorry, these are the, the far-right, the Tea Party folks, the Empower Texans-backed uh, challengers. They suffered defeats. Two of Governor Greg Abbott's further-right picks also fell to more moderate incumbents. Uh, the only Republican race that clearly bucked the trend came in a comparatively low-profile Dallas County runoff where Dina Marie Metzger, who was backed by Empower Texans, defeated uh, Joe Ruzica. That seat is currently held, however, by a Democrat. That would be freshman state rep Victoria Neve. So a good day for Republican Party establishment, I guess, in Texas, I guess yeah, that's but the way I'm to happier put that. about hearing about the women and LGBTQ candidates who are doing better. It's good to know. Well, that's that's just you know because you're a woman, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, finally uh, today, uh, Dallas attorney uh, JJ, and I don't know if this is 
uh, Koch or Coke. It's spelled like the Koch brothers. Uh, Dallas attorney J.J., I'll call him Coke. Okay. Uh, he eked out a win for the Republican nomination for Dallas County Commissioner, the uh, one Republican seat on that uh, commission, by uh, be- be- beating Vickers or Vic Vic Cunningham, a former judge who drew national headlines over alleged racist behavior and language. You may have seen parts of this interview. Uh, that came out just a few days ago uh, by the Dallas Morning News, where Cunningham was asked about a trust fund that he had set up for his own kids who will uh, who will get the money, but only under very specific conditions. Do you have a requirement for a trust fund for your kids that they marry within the white race or not marry someone outside of the white race? It's not a requirement. No, there are milestones set out in the trust. Milestone is you get a distribution if you get an advanced degree. Milestone, if you run for public office, you get a distribution. When you turn, you know, 35, 40, 45, you get a distribution. The same thing is if you get married. If you marry, again, I'm supporting what my beliefs are. Strongly support traditional family values that if you marry, a person of the opposite sex that's Caucasian, that's Christian, they will get a distribution. It doesn't prohibit anything and it doesn't say you'll never get the money. You're just not going to get that milestone distribution. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. You're a racist and a homophobe. And uh, whatever else you want to come up with there. Uh, Vic Cunningham reportedly he was looking like he was going to win, but he has now reportedly lost his bid to become the GOP nominee for Dallas County Commissioner. Yay. But just barely. Oy. 25 votes decided that race. Uh, Koch, his uh, his opponent, said it was totally bonkers. Uh, to say the last four days were bad for the Republican Party, he said, is an understatement. Cunningham had held a 10-point 10 10 lead over Koch in early voting before that interview came out. Um, Cunningham said, unfortunately, we did not prevail. I am acutely aware of my own failings and will counsel with my God, my family, and my friends what path I shall take moving forward. Cunningham, uh, who served as a criminal court judge for 10 years, I was actually the less controversial of those two candidates for much of the race until Cunningham's estranged brother, Bill, showed up at the news on uh, Dallas News on May 14th and alleged his brother was a longtime bigot who regularly used the N-word and the term boy to insult black people behind their backs. So well done, brother Bill. All right, got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Howie Klein from Down With Tyranny, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always greatly appreciated. You can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. Greatly appreciate if you follow us and share us there. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime at bradblog.com for free. Though my great thanks as ever to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that we try to do every day here over your public airwaves. 
You're the only ones we rely on, so thanks for stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.